It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. This week on Live in the Bream, two of my favorite things. One is Christmas. The other is the person. You know and love him. He is a New York Times best-selling author, international broadcaster. He's a Fox News contributor. He's worked all over the world and has a show, by the way, host and managing editor of The World Over Live on EWTN. Um, Raymond Arroyo, welcome back to Live in the Bream. My friend, Shannon Bream, I'm so glad to be with you. Merry Christmas. I'm glad we get to do this. Merry Christmas to you. And today we are going to talk about your brand new book, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. It is beautiful. It is captivating. Um, You have a gift with these Christmas stories, my friend. Well, you know, I love Christmas. Like you, I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. I think it's also, Shannon, a time when families come together. And I always try to find things that are both exciting, but things that we understand or encounter every year and kind of think about them in a new way. And Hallmark did a study a few years ago, and they found the wise men were among the most popular and favorite figures of Christmas after the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's the wise men. And they are known around the world, Shannon, you know, in the Eastern Church, the Greek Church, uh, all over South and Central America, the wise men, the Feast of the Epiphany, the original January 6th, I like to say, um, that was (laughs) that day, Shannon, is such a big celebration for whole parts of the Christian world. And I thought to myself, what do we know about these wise men? And I was really on the lookout for a legend. I was looking for a fun legend Mm -hmm. I could retell that maybe had fallen out of favor or had been forgotten. Well, it turns out, Shannon Bream, everything we thought we knew about these wise men are legendary. Um, You know the old song, we three kings of Orient Uh are, you know the song. Um, Well, it turns out they weren't. There weren't three of them. They weren't kings. (laughs) And they were not from the Far East. That's true. A lot of that, right, a lot of that is, is just fluffery. Correct. And it was added centuries later. So I started digging in and researching this. Well, that whole thing about the kings and the three of them and the names and the ages, that all that didn't come for 700 years after Jesus. A guy named Venerable Bede, uh, an English monk, he came up with those names and this kind of lore. And we've all gravitated to it, Shannon. And you see the images everywhere you go at Christmas. There's Mary, Joseph, Jesus, a couple of, uh, you know, livestock and then there's the the, these three kings that suddenly show up at the manger they weren't there shannon they didn't show up for months probably years later and that's biblical so i went back i went back to the biblical sources i went back to the historicity of it uh first century documents talked to astronomers and bible scholars and what i discovered was the real story of these wise men were far more adventurous far more exciting the stakes were so much higher than anything we'd been led to believe so i thought i'm going to tell an adventure story based in the real history so families can sort of readjust their thinking about these people we thought we knew because there's a lesson there, I think, for all of us at Christmas. Yeah, there's so many lessons there. Again, the book is The Wise Men Who Found Christmas about the Magi um, by our own Raymond Arroyo. And um, you're right. There's so many things that when you set up your little nativity scene, I've already got a couple out. Um, 
mm-hmm. my favorites for this year, but they're always there as if, you know, baby Jesus came yeah. out of the womb and, and they were standing there. But right. there is so much more to the story. And the fact is these so-called wise men um, and the the kings and the pharaohs and people they served over time. I mean, they were at the whims of these leaders. Um, I was reading in right. Daniel not long ago where, you know, the king was really upset about um, that's Old Testament, of course. But, the, you know, the king is very upset because these, quote unquote, wise men can't tell him about a dream that he had. And he orders right. every single one of them in the kingdom to be killed. And these guys knew by going against King Herod, who wanted them to come back and spill all the details Mm -hmm. about where this little Christ child was, they were risking their lives. As you said, it's a daring story. Well, you uh, you have so nailed it. And again, your Bible studies dive deep into this this era, this ancient world that I think we forget. You know, we kind of impose our own presentism on the gospel stories. Mm-hmm. And you have to know the Old Testament to understand these wise men and the coming of Jesus. And you're right. Wise men, magi, they were astronomers. They were educated people, theologians, interpreters of dreams, magicians. But they were also theologians. Shannon, mm-hmm. um, probably immersed and steeped in the Jewish uh, prophecies of Messiah and the Jewish lore of the time. Now, I'm going to blow everybody's mind, I think, including yours a little bit. Um, let me tell you two things. First, buckle of, up. OK, if they didn't come from the Far East and they didn't, where did they come from? Well, the very first century, the second century writings, they all say Justin Martyr, Clement of Rome. Uh, these are men writing Justin Martyr wrote during the time of Jesus, during his lifetime. He tells us the wise men came from Arabia. They came from the immediate east. So they were from, mm-hmm. if you translate the Latin, they were from the Orient, but they were from the other side of the Dead Sea in Arabia. Now, what was the headquarters of Arabia at the time of Jesus? It would have been the kingdom of Nabatea, uh, mm. which was modern day Petra. Everybody who's seen Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, that's the the little uh, shrine they, they gallop out of that's carved into the side of a mountain. That mm-hmm. is Petra. That is very likely where these wise men were. And they served the king, King Aratas, who would have been the king at that time. He appears actually later in uh he's he's chasing saint paul in the acts of the apostles king aratus so mm-hmm. he does make an appearance in the scripture um but it, all the history seems to point that these magi would have been serving the king of nabatea and how do we know that well matthew mentions and he's the only gospel writer who mentions the magi he mentions three gifts that they bring frankincense gold and myrrh Mm-hmm. Well, Shannon, the only place that controlled those three commodities would have been the kingdom of Nabatea. They, the frankincense and myrrh was derived from tree sap, and that tree sap only was pulled from trees in southern Arabia. And this was the commerce, the thing they was they were most known for. And of course, we all know the King Solomon's mines, also known as the mines of Midian. Who was that controlled by at the time? the king of Nabatea. So this magi, these group of men going out to to seek this Messiah, they're really sent as part of a royal delegation by their king. And where do they go? They go to Herod because Mm -hmm. it's assumed Herod has a new son. So they see this star rising. They tell their king there's a new Messiah born in Israel, a new king of the Jews. And he thinks Herod must have a kid. Go bring him some tribute to keep the peace. And that's what they do. So it's kind of interesting when you see it 
in that historic light. It Everything falls into place, Shannon, and as you know, when the gospel is challenged, it usually holds up well to history once mm -hmm. we dig into the history and the research. And here, everything points in this direction. So I wanted families to jump into this story and embrace the adventure of Christmas, the adventure of faith, and the daring uh, required of pursuing that faith. Yes, there are so many good modern day applications when you look at it through that lens. Um, and what you said about the research, um, I used to have a pastor who would say all the time, the more they dig out of the ground, the more the Bible proves to be true. Because mm -hmm. it's not just, you know, if, if you want to look at it as a non-religious person, it's just, you know, fairy tales or a book of good ideas. Um, mm -hmm. There is, you know, history that backs up. There are um, civilizations and relics and things that are discovered all the time that um, don't always make the headlines but they stand up to the timelines and the personalities and the people, the existence of them in Scripture. And so I love that you've done this really intricate look into who these men were and what was really their mission and what was at stake. Um, and we know that um, when they came to Jesus, um, you know, they're the first people to come from outside his family and say, this That's is right. somebody who is um, different. We have seen the signs. There is something happening here. Well, there was that, you know, we don't know exactly what prophecy they read. They may have well read the one that says, you know, his scepter shall rise from Israel. You know, uh, uh, his scepter shall rise out of Israel. Maybe that's the one they read and they interpreted the star as that scepter. Okay, maybe it was that one. We don't know. There's so many prophecies of the Messiah. And remember, they go and they ask Herod and he asks his priests, where's this kid going to be born? They may not have been familiar with the Bethlehem. Um, prophecy. So it's interesting how all of this kind of fits and that Matthew would open his gospel with this story at all, Shannon. And there are some biblical scholars who just say, and, and I've, I've read them, who say, oh, this is just fairy tales. This is just make-believe. Well, if it's make-believe, why would Matthew go through the trouble of writing a gospel for Jewish people, by the way? The, the, the account mm -hmm. of Matthew is really for the Jews. I think it's because, and the scholars I spoke with believe, it's because he was trying to open with the prophecies and reinforce that. And here's a really tantalizing, fascinating theory. And again, this is a theory, but it fits, and it fits in a powerful way. In fact, Shannon, we're doing a Fox Nation special called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas with all of these historians and biblical scholars and astronomers. In a quick half hour, I dive deep into a lot of this research firsthand. You'll hear from the people who've spent their lives delving into this. But uh, there's a woman, Margaret Barker. She's a Cambridge-educated uh, uh, interpreter of ancient languages, translator. Uh, the, Jordan, the Jordan government turns to her often to translate dead languages and lost languages. She's amazing. Margaret Barker has a theory that I think fits. She believes that 700 years before Jesus, because you have to ask yourself, if these guys, if the wise men were from Persia or from the Far East, why would they risk life and limb to go after and pursue a Jewish Messiah? Why would they even be interested? Mm -hmm. She believes they would be interested because there was this diaspora of expelled Jews. The largest right. Jewish community outside of Jerusalem was in Arabia, in this mm -hmm. kingdom of Nabate. Where did they come from? 700 years before Jesus, the first temple priesthood 
the order of Melchizedek is expelled by King Josiah. This is in the Old Testament. He mm-hmm. expels them, and the, and where do those royal priests go? That first temple priesthood, they go to Arabia. Their descendants continue. They keep the old faith. They keep the old ways. And perhaps they were serving this king in Nabatea. So when they go to the Christ child, let's assume that they are the wise men. These gifts they bear are not just, this isn't just a gift drop by, but each of those gifts, and if you read Philo of Alexandria, he says the first temple priest had gold in their vestments, Shannon, and that they burned frankincense in the temple. But the most important gift of all is myrrh. Myrrh oil, only in the First Testament, was kept in the Holy of Holies. Why? They kept it to ordain and anoint members of the royal priesthood and royalty. So these wise men may have been going as descendants of that first temple priesthood to anoint the Messiah, welcome him into their royal priesthood, and restore the first temple the old ways. And if you translate wise men from the East in the Hebrew, it also translates to wise men of the old ways, the hmm. ancient ways. So it's kind of a cool, you know, it's, it's, there's so much happening. There's so much symbolism, so much power in the things used and evoked. Um, and we don't think enough about it. We take it for granted or we buy the fairy tales. Right. And I want to blow some of that away and get us back to the historical essentials and the biblical reality that we can affirm. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. The book is The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. The author, Raymond Arroyo, is with us today. I want to touch on a different part of this story, too, because sure. after they get to him, and we know what the Herod situation is, um, yeah. they probably have no suspicions. I would imagine on the front end, I don't recall that in Scripture, they went there with good intentions. They knew what they were after. Herod had said this to, you know, let mm-hmm. me know what's mm-hmm. going on. But then we have this verse in Matthew 2, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned mm-hmm. to their country by another route so god spoke to them in some way he He gave them that message well i think he speaks to them throughout i mean and Mm -hmm. you know what it reminds me of shannon it's like every day of our lives but certainly at christmas the wise men i think they are wise men because first of all god pursued them as much as they pursued god he found them in their passions he found them in their in their in the busyness of their life they were looking to the stars they already had their gaze properly set above on the things above and not worried about earthly concerns they were they were yearning for god and he spoke to them he reached them in the only way he could um in in the first case via the star later via the dream you know to to go a different mm-hmm. path but just to give you some historical perspective um the king and i didn't know this until i started digging into this ancient world king herod's mother was a Nabataean princess, okay? So there was blood there. He is part Mm -hmm. Nabataean. The other piece of this is 30 years before Jesus, 
Herod invades the kingdom of Nabatea. He guarded his his uh, borders strenuously, and the Nabataeans controlled the incense routes because they made frankincense and myrrh, these very sought-after uh, commodities. They controlled the routes north to south, east to west. So he needed to, you know, so they had to have some kind of cooperation. But Herod had invaded them 30 years prior. So there were tensions here. And just to give you an idea, when the wise men went to Herod, they knew this. They knew he was a a, a, a fitful uh, tyrant in some ways. He had killed three of his sons and a wife to protect his throne. So he was not above mm. killing people. In fact, he did it routinely. I have a Jewish historian who's written the definitive book on Herod in our special, and he will tell you this was part of maintaining political power in the old world. You killed people who got in your way. And if you couldn't imprison them, you killed them. Sometimes you killed many. So the wise men knew they were taking their lives in their hands when they went to him the first time. But this historian who, again, he's not a he's not a Christian, he's not a biblical scholar at all. He said, let's take the story at face value. They risked their lives when they went to Herod. But after they found out Okay, they encountered this Messiah. They have a dream that they should go home a different way. He said, chances are they wouldn't go home either because Herod would lean on Aratas, the king of Nabatea, to turn them over to him so he could hunt down this Messiah. So they very likely went into hiding at home. They didn't return to the king. So it's kind of a cool way to think about this world, the stakes. And Shannon... As I read this story, as I wrote it for families, I kept thinking, my hope is that we all don't allow, don't stumble into Christmas, but go out and find it. Take Mm -hmm. deliberate steps boldly. Get on our own Arabian horses, as they do in this story that I've told, uh, and, and race after Christmas. Go find that Christ child. He's still there. That light still shines brightly if you go looking for it. But if you just let the season wash over you, it will come and it will go, and they'll, and you won't go home by a different path. You'll stay on the one you're on, and that would be terrible. It would be. I love this. It is inspiring us and challenging us to think about these things in a new way, and like you yeah. said, apply it today. The book, again, is The Wise Men Who Found Christmas by Raymond Royal. Raymond, where can we see your special? Where can we get the book? Well, December, top of December, Fox Nation is putting it up. Um, it is a really cool special. I mean, these are people who've dedicated their lives to this pursuit, not only of the ancient world, but these wise men. Uh, there's an astronomer from uh, Oxford. There's uh, Margaret Barker, whom I mentioned a moment ago. We went to England and interviewed her. Um, it's fascinating insight that I don't think we've considered before. And hey, you get to see me on horseback, Shannon, because... Oh, I mean, that's the, worth the price. Of admission, right there. You bet. That's a whole severe <laughs> subscriptions are worth that alone. But it's it's really neat because when I dug in, I realized the kingdom of Nabatea introduced the Arabian horses a hundred years before Jesus. That was the Tesla of the day. So we're if mm-hmm. you were traveling, and it was only a three hundred mile journey from modern day Petra, where the, these wise men lived, to Bethlehem. Only 300 miles, three to five day journey. Chances are they rode on Arabian horses. So in the middle of my book, you see them on those Arabian steeds mm-hmm. galloping through the desert. I've got camels in the background. They're carrying, you know, the heavy freight. The but goods. 
I, yeah, but I love the idea of these wise men on horseback. And a lot of the historians said, look, kings would have traveled this way. Royal delegations would have traveled this way. This is likely the way they traveled. So again, broadening and, and, and widening our frame of reference historically enriches and deepens this story that I think we've took for granted for too long or taken for granted for too long. And look, I also want children to reimagine this world in a real way and kind mm -hmm. of be done with the kind of kingly, solemn procession. That's not what happened here. This was an urgent call of faith, a, a royal political mission, yes, but also a, a journey of faith that transformed these men's lives. And we've got some fun things in there for the kids uh, with a hidden narrator I won't tell you about. Mm-hmm, and it is just beautiful. So. Fox Nation, to see the special with all of these interesting experts to shine a totally new light on this story for you and Raymond on horseback, don't forget. Yes. Um, and the book, I'm assuming you can get anywhere you buy another book. Yes, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, it's available everywhere. And I'm I'm going to a place near and dear to you, Franklin, Tennessee, this weekend. Love it. And then uh, I'm at the Bible, the Museum of the Bible. I'm doing a speech on this whole Beautiful. topic. Beautiful. Uh, and then uh, in the middle of the month, and then I'm in Northvale, New Jersey, uh, doing a final signing. I think it's on the 16th of December. It's all at RaymondArroyo.com. Love it. Come see us when you're in D.C., Raymond. Oh, um, you give us such beautiful gifts at Christmas and always. So thank you, my oh, friend, and Merry so Christmas cool. to you. Thanks for joining thank us on Living the Bream. Merry Christmas and keep that gaze high on the light. Uh, if you follow the light, you can't fail. Amen. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.